Hello, this is Tom Holtz uh, from the American Society of Public Administration, uh, South Florida chapter, coming to you from South Florida. And we're very, very pleased to present our latest installment of the uh, Public Sector Works podcast. And uh, we have two, we have our co-host today, uh, Bill Solomon. Uh, Bill Solomon uh, has been with ASPA South Florida for over 40 years. And uh, and I'm just slightly older than that. And uh, we're very, very pleased. But moreover, we're very, very pleased to have as our special guest, Mayor Shirley Gibson of Miami Gardens, if I've got that right. Hello, Mayor Gibson. How are you today? I'm absolutely wonderful. It is raining in South Florida, as we normally have, but I'm, I'm awfully excited to be on this podcast with all of you, so I'm doing very well. Oh, thank you very much, and we're very excited to have you here. It's raining where I am in Delray Beach, but it's not as bad uh, from what I understand, and, and everybody, we almost didn't get her on here. We were having some internet issues, and we're very glad that it cleared up. Uh, so that uh, so that our so that mayor could be on with us tonight to talk about her many achievements, uh, and and mayor, we're gonna we're gonna start with the following question: um, yeah. How did you get motivated to enter public service? How did that strike you? And what was your first experience for all the uh, students that are listening to this that? are currently going for their master's and uh, they're thinking of interning. How'd you get started? Well, it really started back before I probably realized what it was in this sense of public service. It really started with my children and being involved with them in school uh, and just being there wanting to know what was happening. And I realized that to have a sense of what was happening, I had to get involved. So I joined the PTSA I was in all of the committees when there was any kind of work going on. They needed to know anything. They needed to have a parent. I was there and it really started me on this journey of knowing that there's a search for me of getting other information, understanding the, the, the really bigger picture of what people are speaking about. And when they're talking about things that need to happen and how we need to be very proactive in making things happen and being having our voice there, And that just moved into the next thing was um, law enforcement because I became a police officer way back then. And what was happening, Miami-Dade County was in the midst of um, uh, lawsuits from the federal government because of the fact that they were not hiring uh, minorities to be police officers. So I I, I got got a job, but then I got very involved with that. And I was with the... um, uh, Progressive Officers Club, which was an organization that the Black County police officers formed to make sure that this county would hire Black police officers. And so it just gelled from that into the real politics when I talk about that as elected office. And so I that's where I ended up in public office. And that just put me in another position of understanding what happens and, you know, where does it start? And of course, it's with politics. And that's a very broad thing to say. But that's what it got me started into this politics. And, and eventually I ran for office 
and I got elected, uh, you know, got involved with starting a city uh, in Miami-Dade County. And here I am after many years, 20 years of doing that kind of work. That's really great. Um, Bill had a question for you. Bill? Yes. Um, Mayor, I know you were very involved in getting Miami Gardens to become a city. Yes. Um, could you explain that? Because that grassroots effort was tried in more than one location and it didn't always work. But you made it work even though it was on the second attempt. Can you talk about that a little Yes. When I got involved with that, I got involved with the initial group who uh, had already started having this conversation about wanting to organize and uh, create a city in this area. And when I got involved, I was a police officer, but I was not in that place with it. We, I got involved and I was so fascinated with this wanting to start a city. And what made me really become fascinated to the level that I was is the fact that I realized if you don't have a community doesn't have control of its finances, its money, its taxes as much as it can, you will never be able to get those things that you feel your community needs. And so the only way we could do that, we had to become a city. And we started uh, all of this work as to understand what does that mean? And, and I say that, that we needed to know what does a city really, really do? You know, who's control? Who's controlling the city? Um, who makes the decisions? Um, the size, does that matter? You know, I found all those things out that the size of the city has a, a lot to do with what the government allows it to do, um, what it has control over. And then I realized that trying to get that information, I realized that the city of Miami Gardens, as we know it now, had so much value. But what had been told to this community, and I grew up here, I've been here for many, many years, is that we were too poor. We, we didn't have any resources. We didn't know how to do this. Um, it was not going to get better. And we had a very strong backlash, backlash from residents who lived here because so many of them were county employees. And so they was told that we couldn't be successful, which meant that if we started to kind of break away from the county, it was going to impact the county's ability to, for them to continue to work and all of their resources. And this right away started all of the employees saying, no, we don't want this city. You know, we want to stay with the county because we work there. You know, they take care of us just started a different way and looking and that started me to look at what's underneath all of this that people know we're not getting the services that we deserve but they're willing to stay here and to stay with the county and that was the catalyst for me and that caused me to find out so much information that I did not know so then I learned this is how a city should work these are the, the entities that should be a part of your city. These are the things that the elected officials should be aware of that they need to advocate for, for their residents. And it just propelled me to say, this is what we need. And I'm going to be engaged in this. And I really, at the end of the day, said, I'm going to prove them all wrong. 
this cannot be the lot of Miami Gardens and the people who live here because the people who live here were very committed to the city uh, and to the county. They were, we had very high educational attainments in the city. We had people who were very uh, financially, they were very able to to take care of themselves and their family. Uh, We had one of the highest single family ownerships of any minority group in Miami-Dade County that was here in this area. We had very high income. Uh, Our kids going going to school, graduating from high school was very high. So we had all of those positive things that was never coming back from the larger voice to say that it was good. And that was the thing that propelled me to say, the only thing we can do, we have to be the people who will move and make sure that this area would represent the people. And that meant we had to become a city and we had to elect our own people to serve us. And in and, and essence, that's how I just got into all of this. It's, it's an amazing, um, the, the transition that you were able to, uh, that you were able to do. And of course, you know, being a, uh, a veteran of the Miami-Dade police. Um, were you, uh, how far did you go with that, by the way? I'm just curious. Uh, I did not, I did not promote into any, any uh, status with them. I then, was a detective, but it was not a position that you got extra monies for anything, but I worked that for about nine years before I left. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very involved with the black police officers because that was something that we, we really had to do a lot of work uh, fighting to make yeah. sure that we would have the kind of representation that we needed within the police department with Miami Dade. Detective is nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, and I dealt in the prior life, I was a state medical board investigator in New York. And we and I dealt with detectives uh, when we went after negligent physicians who were doing criminal mm-hmm. uh, stuff. And I found the detectives to be among the most intelligent cadre uh, of any of the police that I've ever dealt with. Uh, of course, as you, as you go up and I'm talking about New York city, as you go up, uh, there is usually basically a more intelligent, uh, but, but I can see how you could transfer from the detective to a position of where you were, of course, serving your community in terms of law enforcement. And by the way, she has a bachelor's in criminal justice and uh, went on uh, to, uh, and that was at St. Thomas University. Yes. And, that, and you went on to get an MA in pastoral ministry and you have an yes. honorary PhD in sacred theology. So, so I, I think that you had a very unique background in terms of transferring your community service as a uh, police detective to uh public administration in terms of uh, city government. And uh, it's, uh, you were named woman of the year for yes. in 2006. Uh, and you participated in the 24th Jerusalem conference of mayors in Israel. Yes. So yes. this is, this is, I think a very, uh, I think it's great that you transitioned between, you know, between the religions uh was this a uh was this an experience that you ever thought 
would happen to you? Uh, and and I, I mean, how did that come about? I think that's fascinating. No, I had no idea that would have happened to me. And initially, I wasn't really searching for that. Mm-hmm. What happened, um, you know, getting my undergrad degree at St. Thomas and then my master's, mm-hmm. I was very familiar with the school and knew most of everyone there. I, I knew the presidents and, you know, because the school was very small and they were really very hands-on and making sure that you felt you were in a place where you could succeed. And that was good for me. I really enjoyed that. And as I was working and doing all of this, I started working with St. Thomas um, with a lot of the things that they wanted to do. And they were making some changes at that early age and with the the university, you know, because they were starting to grow. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so I started just kind of volunteering for everything that was happening, you know, because I had this thirst. I wanted to know what made all of this work and what made many of parts of it fail, particularly fail the community where they were. So that drove me to be so inquisitive and to get on so many committees and to, to, to learn and to go really what outside of my area. That was one of the things that worked very well for me. I, I, I knew I needed to go outside of this area to find out what was happening to this area. And that's what I did. And as I worked at St. Thomas, I started, you know, participating in a lot more issues and and, and going to different kinds of seminars. I got I went out of town with the university. So I started doing a lot of things. And I, one of the professors there he and I was very, very close and I worked close with him because I was working on outreach for um, the school and the students from the office of this, um, this, this, this president. Well, he wasn't a president, he was president of that particular entity. And he is the one who kept saying to me, why don't you go to school and get your master's? And I was like, no, I have too many things going on. You know, I I have married, have two children. I mean, I work shifts. I can't, I, I know I can't do that. And then I said, anyway, I don't have any money, so I really can't do it. And he said, you really need to think about doing that. And I said, I know. And so he said, okay, maybe we can find a way for you to be able to do that. And I said, okay, well, let me think about it. And then he said, but you're going to have to go into um, to the ministry part of it. You can go in the past, you know, get you to go in pastor or ministry. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Nope. Nah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to do that. So <laughs> he says, no, it isn't that. Well, he convinced me. His name was uh, Father Blackwell. I'll never forget him. He convinced me, you can do this. And I started working on a stipend from that area, community uh, in, improvement with St. Thomas into the community here and it propelled me to go further in and and learn so much more and what I did learn um the part of this uh, when it comes to religion and how the church works in the community was very paramount to us moving and being able to see the difference of what our church does and what it doesn't do and how does it work with the community and the people that it wants to serve. And it just propelled me to do it. And I, I got it. And I learned so much more about how the church can be very beneficial 
and helping a community it's do things they could not do. It's incredible, actually. And uh, you really have been able to uh, combine the theological aspect with the it, it with and of course you know I mean we're talking about the administration which is public administration which is non theology but I think that your educational background gave you a level of empathy uh, in terms of working in government uh, that you don't always see uh, out there uh, plus your police background uh, you know I mean it's very very important to be uh, to display empathy uh, towards the communities that need them and uh, it, 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 it certainly does sound to me and of course correct me if I'm wrong uh, but it does sound to me that you were able to use uh, that you were able to use that uh, to your own advantage um, I see that uh, you uh, now you have also been an entrepreneur in your time. Yes, I, I was. Can you tell me. us a little bit about that? Yes, I. Um, well, my husband, uh, my late husband, he he suddenly passed um, in uh, 1985, Sorry. and we had started a a business together. Mm-hmm. And when he passed, I was like, okay, well, I. I have to keep this going. And I was still working as a police officer, managing the business and taking care of my children, you know, but I just managed to make it happen. And, and, but I, I, the thing that I have learned, I seek those who have some of the things that I need uh, the knowledge that I don't have. And I go to them and say, look, this is what I want to do. This is what I think will work. Can you help me? Because I don't know, I know part one and two, but I don't know three and four. And they would always say, okay, we'll help you. And I would work with very hard with this. And then I would learn something else about this whole process of community. And it also drove my empathy for what I was doing, but also to know that what could happen in another community uh, regardless of the uh, educational attainments, regardless of the economic attainment, any of that, it could happen with my neighborhood. And I was able to use those things that I had learned. And you're correct when you tell when you say that all of the areas, the law enforcement, my own being an entrepreneur. And I worked uh, for years over at Mount Sinai Hospital, and I was director of my department. Hmm. I learned how that budgets are done, why they're important, and to spend money, you need money. Yeah. Uh, you have to be, and, and I learned from working there, one of the things that hospital at that time, we wanted to be the best hospital and gave the best service. That always stayed with me because I could see in my neighborhood, we didn't often have good service. You know, we were complaining all the time. So I knew that if I ever had an opportunity, I was going to make sure that whatever we did, it was going to be the best. And I had a little so, a saying that I had that I, when we got a city and I, all the employees knew what it was because I would go around and, and say, what, what do we say? What does Miami Garden say? Because I had told him, and my little thing was, at my regards, if we don't do it first class, we don't do it at all. 
That was our little thing. That's nice. That's nice. And I would go there and say, what is it that we say as a city? And they would all know this thing. And it was like, it was amazing that all these employees do it and they work to that goal. You know, you know, the thing that interests me is that you were actually the first and you remain the first mayor of the city of Miami Gardens. This was this is something that a, that a lot of mayors don't have that experience. And you you literally were in on the incorporation of yes, this I was the city. Can you tell I was us? I was a chair. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a little? How did the idea for this city come about, and uh, what were the what were now? You know, I mean, we don't need a dissertation, obviously, but what were the steps that you took? Uh, it's it's an incredible feat to be involved in the creation of a city from scratch. Yes. Well, what we had to do was, of course, have these community meetings and talk to them. You know, the people who lived here, because we had to get as many of them on board. To tell them that we, you know, we we wanted to be a city. We could be a city. We could be better if we were a city, and we could really have control of the funds that came into the city, and we would be able to decide where we wanted to apply those things that we wanted to do. So we that was the first thing is to get some buy in from the people who lived here. Once we got the buy-in, then we had to go through the we had to jump through all of the county hoops that we and that that was. It was just the most, I, I can't even say how, it was, it seemed so as a defeatist thing that we were tackling because we didn't get support from the county uh, when we wanted to do this. But we, can, we, we persevered and we got the information. They told us, this is what you have to do to move through this process. And it was so many steps. So every step they told us, we had to do that. We had to get so much information. We had to, we had to know all everything. We had to find out how much money is in the city, how much money comes from the county, the federal government, for all the other entities. As you know, when you're dealing with this, there's money, there's resources that comes from Tallahassee, it comes from Washington, it comes from local entities, wow. uh, FL. I mean, you know, everybody. It comes from. So we needed to find out where is the money because we were told you guys are too poor. You don't have enough money. Yeah. So my thing was, well, okay, I finally had learned uh, a while back that poor people do generate a lot of money. They're just never told that they do. And they very, never see that's it. That's very profound. They that's never see profound. it. Yeah, so they right. think they they think they're really poor, but there there's lots of money well, that collectively. is collectively Sure. It is to poor people. <laughs> and- uh, Mayor Gibson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill, uh, Bill has been champing at the bit and has been well, smiling. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Um, in my former life, I worked for Miami-Dade County for parks. And oh, okay. I remember when we did the transition um, of the Dade County Parks to Miami Gardens, and it mm-hmm. went pretty good. Yes. Um, and that was a, a bright star and mm-hmm. your police force as well. Yes. Um, I, we have had uh, the chief of, at the time speak for ASPA um, mm-hmm. at best practices, and that was really a great thing. Um, I know the process of incorporation because mm-hmm. we unsuccessfully tried it down at the falls. Yes, um, I remember. And, yeah, and the big thing that kept coming up by the naysayers was your taxes were going to go up, and it yes. wasn't worth it, and it's cheaper to be unincorporated and all these things, but... You proved them wrong, and that's 
you know, a tribute to you because they weren't going to give you every bit of information. You had to go do it yourself. We really did. Yes. And I, and I appreciate that because the county didn't want to lose tax base. Well, you know, but our people didn't know that. They didn't understand yes. how important they were to the county's tax base. They thought they were this burden on the on the county. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just stay there and take whatever they could get. But that was really one of the major triumphs about it. We had to be able to convince them that about your taxes. Because, you know, no one wants to pay more taxes. I don't Absolutely. care what. And that was a major hurdle that we had to carry. But one of the things that helped us to do that, I realized that people will accept more than some of us think when we are in the positions that we should serve them, that they will. But the key was to tell them the truth. Right. I learned that 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 is what really moved us from the first time we did it to the second time being more truthful and making sure that the average person in this city could understand what we were doing. Now that took a lot of work to make that happen, but that was key to us being able to overcome that thing about taxes going up and you're going to pay more taxes. Right. It's where you have to show them the Mm -hmm. benefit versus the cost and explain it in terms that they'd understand And the fact that you said the famous word, the most important thing is tell them the truth. Yes. Um, Because down the road, if it had passed and they weren't told the truth, it would have been a lot worse. We would have had a very difficult time because as you know, any city, unless they're very, very wealthy, you're going to have some problems when it comes to resources and taxes and monies. And that's just a part of what you do when you're trying to manage because you're running a big business, although... Uh, as you know, in most many instances, people who are doing that, even some of us as the as elected officials doesn't realize that we're not so separate. We tend to think we are. We are a major business. We that, are. Yeah. yeah. And, but and you, you have, have to, you have to do that. You got to run it a lot like a business. I mean, you have Hard Rock Stadium, correct? Yes. That's a major income um, generator right there for everything they do. Of course. And and you have to know that's what you have to do. You really have to generate and be able to make sure that you develop economic development and what does that mean? And, you know, I learned a lot of what these words and terms meant after we got really into the stores of this city. Because they make you think that you don't have to worry about money, that you don't have to worry about uh, paying the bills, or you don't have to worry about if there's a disaster come through, what are you going to do, where are you going to get the money from, and everybody expects you to have it repaired in the next two weeks, you know, when you know you really can't get it done. Uh, That's what made the difference. You really have to understand this is a business. It is. and you right. must have some sense of how you're going to manage that business with the thousands of people that you're responsible for. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be, uh, we're going to be ending this soon. Although to be frank with, I'll be honest. I mean, we, we could probably be on here for a couple of hours uh, exploring <laughs> your background. Uh, I'll tell you, it, it, it is absolutely amazing. But for, but for our listeners, uh, she has 
the American Jewish Congress Regional Outstanding Service Award in 2007. Mm -hmm. She was voted Public Official of the Year in 2005. The, Phyllis Bru the Philip Brutus Diversity Award, the Heart of Miami Award for Outstanding Leadership and Services, the FCEAA Black Achiever of the Year Award. She is currently a uh, Miami-Dade County Charter Task Review Force appointee, past mm -hmm. president for Miami-Dade League of Cities. She is Board of Trustees, she's the Board of Trustees of the Aventura, of Aventura Hospital and Medical Center. So every, and, and so much more, member of the Board of Trustees at FIU, the Metropolitan Center. So we could probably spend at least a half an hour for each achievement. Uh, but uh, suffice it to say, that just gives you some idea of the tremendous things that she's done for public service. And, 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 and it just started from being a cop. And yes. yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, that's that's a tribute uh, to the police force that you can actually uh, broaden your perspective. And uh, and of course, you know, I mean, make proper uh, make proper connections. But it's got to be something within you that I think is, um, is 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 bringing this on. Yes, William, go ahead. Um, Mayor Gibson. Yes. Uh, we have a following of students from various universities, local and um, I guess throughout the country and the world now. Mm -hmm. uh, we are international. Um, what suggestions would you give um, to students in the profession, you know, in the public service, either mm -hmm. in the master's or political science areas um, of getting a stepping stone and moving forward into maybe becoming a mayor someday? Well, I, you know, I, I do hope uh, that as we move through, and I say we, I'm talking about all of us in our perspective positions and what we do, realize that I, I, I really do tell you about public administration and what you guys do. It is so important to cities being able to provide the kind of services and the and I will say the right kind of leadership that they need to be able to manage uh, a city. And then, as you know, there, you know, you have strong mayors, you have mayors who are elected, you know, by their constituents and they have a different role. I mean, we all, when we elected, we know we have to follow all those guidelines, but there's difference in different cities, how they manage. Some uh, mayors are elected, just by they rotating through in the city where they are. So they're not actually elected as a mayor, but they have a term and they be serve as mayors. So there's a lot that goes on with that, but you really have to know that. And I would hope that as we move forward and as we look at what is happening in cities, and I do know from a study that was done by this uh, um, in Florida, that uh, from the Florida League of Cities, our main office in Tallahassee, they did a major survey. And what they found was that the mayor is the person that citizens in, look forward to that person being able to stand, lead, and they expect a monument of things from the mayor. The mayor is so important to cities, no matter how they're elected. And, and it becomes something for the mayors to understand that as well as their colleagues. They have to understand 
that to, to make it work, you have to be a united front. It doesn't mean that you all vote the same way on the same things, but you have to, because the leadership, it says that if your group and your leadership is well, then you have an opportunity to be able to meet the needs of your constituents because I I have often said to people, how many times have you met the governor? How many times have you ever met the president? How many times in, that you met your congresspersons, your senators? They don't meet these people. They may vote for them, but they really don't have a relationship. It's the mayor that you have a relationship with. And that position is so important that we have to understand that. And so I'm hoping that on the higher level of economic uh, development and when it comes to educational development, that your profession, your educational profession, that you will be letting your people, young people, your students who come into public administration understand that they are getting the best education that you can give them. But one of the challenges is once they, once you leave, give them to the community. And I say to us, one of the things, I don't know if you, I I think you've thought about it. You have to, but there's a major challenge. It is now the elected officials that they now have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. They no longer dealing with you and all the great things you told them and how they look at everything. If that elected official have no sense of what that means, there is a problem. Yep. Because they do not allow your really educated students to come in there and give them the kind of expertise and give them the kind of guidance that they need to make right decisions. And so what happens, all of that education and training and learning, it kind of gets dormant. And then they want to do something and they don't know really in many instances what they're doing. They don't, you know, we, we have, you know, you get a budget. It could be 200 pages for your budget. Okay, let's be honest. How many of them going to read the 200-page budget? You know, and, and if, if your students who come to get hired, they understand all that. They must be allowed to give the knowledge that they have, not because they end up making the final decision, but they will allow you to have more expertise in making a final decision. And at the end of the day, if the mayor is successful, all of the other employees who work directly or indirectly is successful as well, but they, they're not going to call uh, the employee name who works in one of the offices. They're going to call the mayor's name. So yeah. my thing is, don't worry about them making you look good. You should want to do that. Because that if you do well, they're going to say, uh, Mayor Brown was a- absolutely fabulous. He or she did this. He or she got this done. But that is not happening. Um, that is a major issue. It needs to be addressed. Um, my thing was, uh, I only hired three people. And that was the manager, the city attorney, and the clerk. My issue was I needed to make sure I had the best manager that could work for the city of Miami Gardens along with my colleagues. Because at the end of the day, that's who really is doing a lot of that work and must know what should be happening 
but the bo- the body, the elected body, have to be aware, must be willing to listen, must be willing to hear something they don't want to hear. If your your person coming in and telling you, look, you know, we don't have enough for this, or we really can't do that. Maybe we can do it this way, and you not get so political. Well, I, you know, I told them I was going to do this, and you didn't even know that you didn't have the money, and you didn't even need it. That is where I think the problem is, and and I certainly. Just for me, I, I really want to be able to um, look at that a bit more uh, as I move forward because it is important. I had so much confidence and I learned so much from all of our upper management individuals because most of them had their master's in uh, public administration in some areas of it. And I learned so much from it and we could work so well as a team. That's why the city was able to get so many things done in a very short period of time. But I think the bottom line, I think the bottom line really comes from what you said about, and and I talked about empathy before, you have to, uh, from what you've said, you really have to have, public officials really have to have empathy towards the students uh, that are entering into the field of public administration. And that kind of gels with what you're talking about. Uh, for, uh, For a mayor not to have that kind of, uh, outlook, uh, they're really shooting themselves in the foot because they're denying themselves the opportunity to get really good, fresh blood uh, uh, individuals that are interested in doing better uh, for mm-hmm. their own communities. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a very, very uh, profound thing that you did say, Mayor, uh, regarding that. Um, we want to thank you, both Bill and I, for your participation today. Uh, we've learned a lot, I think, and I think I can speak for Bill uh, in terms of, yeah, we've gotten a bird's eye view of what it takes to become the first mayor of of, of a city, which of a new city, uh, relatively speaking, uh, Miami Garden has been in existence since 2003, I believe. Yes. Um, so we're not even talking uh, 20, 20 years yet. Uh, that's not something that you, that you can see every day when you're dealing with cities that have been around for anywhere from a hundred years or more. Uh, so this is really a treat for us to see, uh, how, uh, how you've taken the bull by the horn, so to speak. Um, do you have anything further that you'd like to add before we, uh, say goodbye to everybody? For now? Well, I would just like to say thank you very much for, uh, inviting me to come and share with you, um, with Asper. I really know so many people there and I have the utmost respect for the organization and the work that they do. And I would applaud them and ask, um, leave you with this word. And I have one last word I'm going to leave you with because it's, I'm kind of toot my own horn with that one, but you know, nothing wrong with that. that. Nothing wrong with that. I would hope that as you look at what is happening in the field of public administration, and you already know the importance of your students and what they give and bring to communities and just states and whatever, that there's a way that maybe you can find a way that they can be, I'm going to say more whole in their educational attainments when they start to come in, into the community to work because they know a lot of what we need. And we have to figure out a way, hi, it's not an adversarial kind of thing, 
when someone who says I am the boss, the boss boss, then turns around and causes those individuals not to have the kind of support and, and, and does something with the empathy that they should have in the job that they do, that we lose them in the sense of them being there to mm-hmm. guide us and give us what we need. It mm-hmm. is important, especially in the time that we find ourselves. I, I really tell you, I feel very frightened as I look at where we are in a country. And I definitely look at where we are when we look at this country and its total infrastructure. It's just falling apart every place all over this country. And so we are going to have some very serious issues because cities don't have the money to go and do all of this internal work that needs to be done because we never did it when we probably could have afforded it better. We never did it. So now we are falling apart and and it's going to be a difficult situation because the the citizens are going to blame the elected officials, no matter what they want to say about it, they're going to blame them. And I ask that maybe you guys can look, you know, as you look at this, how do we begin to have this real dialogue and not just with your students, not just with your elected officials, but with that mom and pop, that person that pay these taxes that have no idea what you guys do. I can tell you that they have no idea what you do because they don't really get to meet with those individuals within cities. Those are not the people that they meet with. Those individuals do a lot of work behind the scene, but they never get to go out and be able to do it. And I will say to close to that, they have to have some sense that they are able to have some dialogue with the community. They understand that there are things they can't say, or they shouldn't say, but they, there has to be something there that they can communicate And we need a larger group of people that they can communicate to in communities so they understand what it is that we do or we try to do on a day-to-day basis. That is, if we can do something uh, to make your students become sought after in every way and not make them feel that they are not gifted enough or what they know is not needed, well, that Mayor, would be a major thing. Mayor, I can honestly say that, of all, and, and I agree with you, that there, are, uh, with all the issues that exist in the world today, it's very fortunate that we have somebody like you uh, right in the driver's seat uh, in one of the newer cities of Florida to show people the way. So all is not lost if, as long no, as we have somebody like you. Well, I thank you for that. And may I do my little push that I want to share because it's relative to, to everything, this, your organization, what you do. I got this notice uh, yesterday and it's, I'm going to read it to you. It says the University of Minnesota has selected Dr. Nisha Botchway of the Georgia Institute of Technology as the new dean of the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. And now the reason I'm talking about horn because this young lady is a graduate of New Orleans High School. She grew up here. I met her when she was about eight years old. I was her first Girl Scout troop leader, <laughs> and I have followed her all these years. 
and she's awesome. And she was very quiet. She didn't talk to anybody. And now look at her. So I want to just pat my back about this young lady. She is awesome. And she's a product of Miami-Dade County Public Schools. Uh, And she's in your field. So I'm just so excited. I wanted to share that. We thank you for that. That's absolutely great. I like it. Absolutely. Mayor Gibson, thank you once again for helping us out and for participating on our podcast. And now this is uh, Tom Holtz and uh, William Solomon uh, signing off for uh, ASPA South Florida. And uh, we look forward to joining you again next month when we will have another representative of public administration. Uh, but it's you're going to be a hard act to follow, uh, Mayor Gibson. <laughs> I'll tell you that much right now. Thank you once again, and good night to Ed Bill. Say good night. Good night, good night all. To each of you, be safe if you're driving or whatever. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and good night to everybody. <laughs>